Rush into Old Navy today for this can't-miss one-day deal. 50% off all Old Navy active for the family. Get the workout wear you need at a huge 50% off one day only today. Hurry in or miss out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1020, select styles only, excludes in-store clearance. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. But this is one of those editions of the Locked On Wizards podcast where we're not really talking about the Wizards. It's going to be a Georgetown-centric podcast as the Hoyas released their schedule today. A holy mess of a non-conference schedule, in my humble opinion. We'll be talking about that in a minute uh, here on the podcast. I will, though, for those of you who are Wizards folks specifically, I will... Put this out there just in case you uh, hadn't already seen the news. Wizards did announce today that they will hold training camp in Richmond, Virginia on the campus of VCU September 26th to the 30th. On the 25th, they will hold media day at, at, I guess it's not Verizon Center anymore, Capital One Arena. So that's what's going on there. So basically we've got less than two weeks to go before... Things get well. Like I said, two weeks to go from today. Two weeks from today, things get real on the wizard front. They're back in training camp uh, mode officially. They typically, in the years past, the players have shown up a few days even before and and and, and doing some drills and scrimmages and such. But it becomes official the 26th. They're back at it um, in Richmond. It's where they were a year ago. Uh, you know, whatever. If that's where they want to be, so be it. Um, they also announced that they will be holding an open practice on the 29th, also in Richmond, not anything up here. So if you're interested in going to see the Wizards before uh, preseason games or before the regular season, you can go down to Richmond on the 29th and check things out. If you missed, uh, if you missed it, I did have a, a Wizards podcast uh, earlier in the week with some thoughts on what remains a big something of a big mystery for the Wizards entering this season. Not the bench, not Otto Porter's play, but how does Scott Brooks handle the center combination of Martin Gortat and Jan Mahimi now that they're both one year older and the NBA is not going away from more small ball play? Um, how does Scott Brooks handle that? I had some thoughts on that. You can check that out on, uh, on the podcast. If you subscribe to iTunes, you won't miss any of the podcasts. If you're not an iTunes person, Anywhere you do your podcast, we should be there. And if we're not, tell me, let me know. I'll work that out. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, it is at Ben Standing. If you want to shoot me an email, I probably don't give this out enough. Hit me up. I'll give you my personal email, bstandig1 at gmail.com. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me your feelings. Tell me what it is you uh, think we should be talking about. Or uh, you got any thoughts about the podcast, hit me up there. You just want to talk about life, hit me up there. All right. Uh, we're going to get into the Georgetown stuff here, though. In just one second, I should say, though, you know, uh, oh, one other thing I will mention, if all goes to plan, I will have another 
I will have another Wizards podcast though this week. Uh, Sean Woodley, who hosts the Locked On Raptors podcast, is going to join me to talk about the Wizards, the Raptors, the Eastern Conference, whatever else, whatever else that we want to get into. So we will have that as well. If you've got any, if you got any questions you want to you want to ask for that particular podcast, again, throw it up on Twitter at Ben Standig or email me bstandig1 at gmail.com. All right, now this podcast uh, recorded with uh, pals uh, Andrew Geiger with Casual Hoya and my uh, Georgetown uh, compadre uh, Bobby Bancroft. Uh, it's not not exactly uh, we didn't necessarily sugarcoat this situation, but that doesn't mean you won't want to go check out. Some of the action, check out Patrick Ewing, see what some of the new players are looking like. And, uh, you know, there's a couple silver linings on the schedule. And if you're going to go to the games, this is where you want to make sure you've got, a, you've got our friends over at SeatGeek. Um, SeatGeek, you've, the, first, the key, of course, with this is, you've heard me guys talk about this, you got to put, you got to get the app on your phone. It's by far the easiest way i found. To shop for tickets, I can be anywhere with just a few taps, instantly find seats. By the way, speaking of tickets, the Washington Mystics lost game one of their uh, WNBA playoffs uh, Tuesday night to Minnesota. They will be back in D.C. for at least game three on Sunday. If the series continues to be game four, I want to say that's on Tuesday. So also you can go to SeatGeek and check out there for tickets. Also, of course, the Washington Wizards. Uh, the normal team we talk about here on this podcast, uh, action starts in basically just a month from now. So you want to make sure you can get tickets for there as, for, the, for those games as well. And SeatGeek will help you do that. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. I suspect SeatGeek if uh, given a choice to grade uh, to to pick out Georgetown's schedule based on value, would have maybe found a few more games at least against teams in say the 200 uh, Ken Palm range, not the 330 and up range. Okay. In any event, uh, every ticket you can shop for on uh, SeatGeek is guaranteed, uh, and SeatGeek makes your uh, finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Very easy. All right, so here's the deal. Remember, download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LONBA today, as in locked on NBA to NBA. Do that, and you will get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. So download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code LONBA today. All right, so here to help me break down this wacky Georgetown schedule, uh, first off, uh, the, the man whose face I wish I saw when it was fully revealed, the amount of uh, MEAC teams on the schedule, I'm sure would have put a big frown on his face, Mr. Bobby Bancroft. Bobby, how uh, how, how are we doing today? Doing great. I don't believe that at all. Uh, and uh, also here, the man behind Casual Hoya, where you can go to casualhoya.com and see the full-blown schedule with dates and everything in the exact order because we're not going to go through every single game in order. 
but the guy behind all that, Mr. Andrew Geiger, uh, what would you say, Andrew, has been the immediate response to schedule gate? Uh, I'm excited we're going to have at least 10 wins this year. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I wonder if everybody's, if Arkansas State's giving anybody a, a scouting report. Uh, on how to beat these. Although I guess that's the thing. There's really no scouting report right now because we have no idea what Patrick Ewing's team will look like, which is part of the the big mystery with with Georgetown this season. But there's no mystery when it comes to this schedule. There's no – from the non-conference schedule, it, it's impossible to spin it any other way, but it is lousy with a capital L. Uh, we'll go through this in a couple of different ways. Let me just lay it out here for those of you who have not – seen the actual schedule yet um, I, so i'm not gonna go through every game uh, the biggie schedule is the biggie schedule it starts with they play butler what december 27th and then they go and right. they, they play everybody else twice that's not that's not weird we already knew some of the non-conference schedule and as bad as it appeared it was going to be it honestly to me is even worse than i thought it would be the basic deal is this they've got uh what 11 non-conference games only one of them is on the road that's at richmond on november 25th five MEAC teams no disrespect to the MEAC but typically the MEAC is one of the worst one two three conferences in the in college basketball every single year and of the 11 teams seven have a have a Ken Palm rating from last year of 320 or worse including Alabama A&M the worst of 351 teams last year the bottom of the barrel only two of the teams are playing are top 150 that's Syracuse and Richmond, and Richmond, by the way, their top three scorers from last year, they're not back anymore. Uh, for comparison's sake, uh, somebody noted on Twitter, Eli Botker, whoever that is, but Bonzel Tough for looking this up. Georgetown's uh, Ken Palm rating is the second worst since Ken Palm started doing this in 2002. Second worst for a power conference non-league schedule. And just one last thing to note, last year – under JT3, who typically played a pretty good schedule, Georgetown only had five games against opponents outside the top 150, and that included two against DePaul, who they had to play. So five outside the top 150 last year, and this year, seven, 320 or higher. Uh, Andrew, I'll let you, I'll let you go from there. Your thoughts are what? I, I think my main reaction is one of embarrassment. Um, unlike you two dudes, uh, I went to Georgetown and this is just a schedule that I'm not used to seeing. Um, even in the days when, when I was at school, when Iverson were there, we still had some marquee matchups in the non-conference schedule and, you know, no offense to Syracuse, but this is a, this is a down year for, for them too. And this is, uh, when I'm looking at this schedule, it, I mean, what, what is really appetizing here? Is it, is it the fact that we're going to win some games. I mean, I guess that's good, but I forget who it was who mentioned on Twitter today that um, it might be six or seven games before we get 10,000 people into, you know, the capital one arena. And that, that really might be true. I, I mean, how do you, how do you sell this to a, to a fan base? Um, It's just kind of embarrassing. I, I get it. I get that they want to protect Ewing and perhaps get him a, a winning record in his first year. Um, I just worry that the damage to the program, though, from a reputation standpoint, and perhaps even from a recruiting perspective, um, 
you, you got to take that into consideration when you're putting together a schedule. And I said this when they pulled out of the, the PK-80 tournament, which I thought was a, a horrible decision. You got to put kids in the national spotlight. You got to give them ESPN games. You got to give them games against good competition in order to get better and then raise the profile of the school and the program. And this is the exact opposite. So I'm embarrassed is the way I feel right now. All right. So I want to go through a few scenarios, but Bobby, what's your, uh, I mean, we, like, you know, some of this has already been leaked out, but now that we see the whole composite, what's your take? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, all I can really do is laugh because it is unbelievably pathetic. So, but Bobby, uh, what, what's your take on the uh, situation? Well, it's, I mean, I think it's the same as, you know, what Andrew just said. It's hard to, to look at that schedule and understand other than trying to make sure that Patrick Ewing wins at least, I don't know, between 10 and 12 games this year at the bare minimum. Uh, I don't know how you sell the schedule to the fans and maybe that's not a consideration. Georgetown's relationship with the fan base, you know, is something that's not been great for a long time. That's sort of been their attitude, the way they operate. And when you win, it's, you don't notice it as much maybe. Um, but you know, like, like, like Andrew said about bringing recruits, I mean, you really wouldn't want to bring a recruit to a game until December 16th because it'll look sort of embarrassing if you bring a recruit to the main game over Thanksgiving, or I guess it's like near Thanksgiving or Coppin state. I mean, I was there last year at Coppin state. There might've been like 800 people in the building. Uh, I remember thinking, you know, I hope they don't, they don't, they don't schedule this team again. Um, they're not giving the fans anything to hold on to other than Patrick Ewing. And a lot of the fans are too young to even or a lot of the people that are going to try and get to go to games are even too young to remember Patrick Ewing playing in the NBA, let alone Georgetown. So I think, you know, once they made the decision to get out of the PK-80, which I think was just just crazy from the ESPN standpoint, the competitive standpoint, the Nike standpoint, it's hard to find a reason that that really made any sense. Once they did that, you knew it was going to look like this. And if they had stayed in the PK-80 and you – if you take away two games, so you you know you scrap Alabama A and M, scrap NC A and T, you throw the PK eighty into the schedule. You can you can you can sell that as that's what a lot of teams do. You play Syracuse, you play in a you play in an awesome tournament, and then you play a bunch of also rands, and then you go to the conference. It wouldn't be that bad, but it's really it starts for me. It starts and ends with PK eighty. Once they did that, you knew it was never going to recover. Yeah, I agree with that too. I mean, and with PK eighty, okay, so you've got the guaranteed game against Michigan State. Okay, so you again, and I've said this before. Maybe you lose that game by 25 points, okay? But that gives the program a, a high visibility opportunity that none of these opponents are going to afford you. Who is even going to watch that game against Syracuse on December 16th when both teams are terrible? Um, you know, PK-80, okay, we, we lose to Michigan State. Then you have a UConn game. You can win that game. It's not like this team is terrible. I, I don't know why this coaching staff and the administration or whoever it is is responsible for putting together the schedule – is putting the players in this position, players who I think have talents. I mean, from, from yeah, it, it to, does seem to be. You know, I know like there was a couple of years ago where St. John's that they had like you know four walk-ons in the regular rotation. That's not the right. case here. There's guys with you know Jessica Vaughn, Marcus Derrickson, Jacob Mosley yeah. got a grad transfer. This isn't a, this isn't a handicap group. No. Well, and I I, I, I totally agree. And that, it's just, it's just mind-boggling. And that brings up a different point that I want to get to in a minute about why they actually did this. But, um, right, I mean, I think you're, you, the bigger point is we're not saying that all 11 of these games need to be against power conference schools or NCAA tournament teams. 
if even no, of course they, not. Even if they just took eliminated the, the PK uh, tournament and just had, uh, and again, once you get to that point, it's it's harder to schedule teams. But you just had some lower rung BCS school, and then maybe a, a, a legitimate mid major, your 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 Davidsons of the world. It still wouldn't be great, but you'd be like, okay, it's something. Four games, or maybe you can look at it and be think this is sort of interesting. But 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 to go this bad, this low, um, you know, everybody keeps mentioning that oh he's 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 uh scheduling like Big John did because this is when Patrick Ewing played at Georgetown. This is what they did. Hey, guess what? This is substantially worse. Substantially worse. Way worse. I, 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 Way I, worse. I looked this up. So in nineteen four years of Ewing, eighty one, eighty two, and I'm I, you know you. You can go back and look and see exactly who, which teams were good. But but just in terms of the power conference goals, Ohio State, a UNLV team that won 20 games, and then, and they played Missouri. A big matchup was Ewing against Steve Stepanovich, who would become the number two pick of the draft. That was a huge game on a national level. The next year was the, was the Ralph Sampson game. So even if that against Virginia, so even if that was the only game, that was a monster game. It was the cover of Sports Illustrated's college basketball preview. That game, George uh, Ewing and Sampson, that alone. But they also played Wisconsin, Alabama, and DePaul. De- this is DePaul with Ray Meyer, not this later version. It's no good. Mm-hmm. The next year, they played a DePaul team that went twenty-seven and three, a UNLV team that went twenty-nine and six, and Brigham Young, who was pretty good. And then in eighty-four, eighty-five. A UNLV team that won 28 games, DePaul, New Mexico, Tennessee, and Arkansas with Joe Klein, who would go on to be a uh, uh, an Olympian and a, who was an Olympian and a lottery pick. That, those are that's that's at least three games. And that's, again, and that's also when the Big East um, was the higher end of the Big East at that point was better than what it is now. So the, JT two was scheduling more, much more, much harder. Than this, we all focus on the St. Leos of the world. If if, if George yeah. played St. Leo and played in the PK tournament alone, I don't think we care. <laughs> the, the fact that they just have nothing is is embarrassing. Which brings me to the point: Do you guys think if this is more of they don't want Ewing to be embarrassed in year one, or is this Ewing's blueprint for what he actually wants a schedule to look like? Because I'm not convinced I'm, that it's not. I, I I don't know the answer to that. Although I would be surprised if this was all Ewing putting this together, I'd be very surprised. Well, I, I say it, Ewing it, slash it, Big John, right? I mean, the school itself was had a really good schedule for the for the entire JT three era. So somebody over there, whether it was JT three or others, were down with them playing a lot of good teams. So I mean, well, it, it seemed like well, from, from the uh, from from the quotes in that fluff piece that the Washington Post did on the schedule. Um, that there was some sort of indication that this is Ewing's plan, right? That he he wants the the, the kids to come together during this non-conference schedule and and experience winning, and that they'll do their. I think the quote was that they'll do their work in the NCAA's. I mean, that that's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, yes, they're they're going they're going to win some of these games. They should win all of these games. God forbid they lose more than one of these games. So, um, well, so, so let me read you this quote. This is the quote from the, from today's Washington Post. This is the part of the law of the article. He Ewing spoke to the Post uh, last month. It's the second time he's spoken with the Post. For the record, I've reached out to Georgetown several times this summer. I've not heard back once. Anyway, um, quote Ewing says, "It's always been tough. It was always tough when I was playing, meaning against the Big East. 
so you know you don't always have to play the toughest non-conference schedule. It's all it's all about where you end up in the end. Right there, some level of delusion. This isn't the same Big East that when Patrick Ewing played that put three teams in the Final Four. I mean, Villanova isn't going to be as good as it, it doesn't appear to be as they were the last couple of years. And I don't, you know, we'll see how many NCAA tournament teams Georgetown gets in. But we're not looking at tons of heavyweights either way. The rest of the quote is. Do the best job that we can in the biggies and let the chips fall where they may. And hopefully we'll be able, we'll be in the NCAAs and do our work there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, like you said, yeah. the, it, uh, that, that, that last aspect of it is uh, crazy. And I want to get into that practicality of actually making the tournament in a second. But Bobby, um, th- this idea that you don't have to schedule the toughest on conference schedule. You know what? It's totally right. And I don't think any of us would have, craft on Georgetown if they did go a little bit lighter than what JT3 had been doing. I don't think we, any of us would have minded. Like you said, play the PK tournament, Syracuse, Mazel Tov, fine. But they didn't even do that. So this is this this meant this, this is where I'm concerned that the mentality is we don't have to play the toughest non-conference schedule, that this schedule is more of a composite of what he actually wants rather than it being first-year jitters and uh, going really light. Uh, you know, if you if, if you remember when he was introduced as coach, he said a couple things that sort of were alarming and sort of alarmed me for not really being the biggest Patrick Ewing, let's hire him guy. He talked about how the schedule was maybe too tough at that moment, and they you know they needed to they needed to sort of dumb down the schedule a little bit. And um, he also mentioned that he didn't think recruiting had changed since he was a recruit. So I, I don't know what his plan is. I hope that this is a one-year deal. I see a lot of people tweeting at me, oh, you know, relax, this is just a one-year deal. If that's the case, okay. But I don't even think Patrick Ewing, the coach, is going to enjoy coaching Georgetown inside in a completely empty Verizon or whatever it's called now center for two months until Big East play starts. And by the way, the Big East, as we know, isn't the Big East, you know, and all these teams aren't coming through to light up the turnstiles. So I'm not even sure how much fun he's going to have being in an empty building coaching games like this. But also I would say in 10 straight years, Georgetown has been in some sort of a preseason tournament. And for me, college basketball has become there's a bunch of preseason tournaments around Thanksgiving, maybe a little bit before. And then most people don't pay attention to college basketball again sometime during the conference season, and then everyone gets their bracket. So they've basically Georgetown's taken themselves out of the college basketball um, just world basically with the schedule. You know they've been to Maui twice. They've been to 2K Classic, Atlantis, Puerto Rico, the Legends Classic, Charleston, Jimmy V, the Wooden Classic, Old Spice. They've been everywhere, and they're not doing that. And for a long time, Georgetown didn't play in those tournaments. They went to Maui once with Eshrick, and Big John took them to the Alaska Shootout, which doesn't even exist anymore. But for me. This whole shift away from doing that, I think, is scary. And once you get out of that rotation, there's a lot of schools. I mean, look at who jumped on their spot, DePaul. There's a lot of schools that would like to be in the rotation. Georgetown wakes up, and every season they're in one of the best tournaments. And I think it's scary to move away from that. And, and just, to, Andrew, I'll come back to you a sec. But to your point, Bobby, of not being on the national scene, beyond even the tournament, Georgetown does not have a single game on ESPN this year, not one. The, I mean, even Or even, CBS. Well, they have one on CBS. Uh, they have Syracuse, and according oh, that's to, right. I'm sorry. And yeah. according to Georgetown's schedule, the Villanova game, the final, or the regular season finale, is on Fox. Although the Big East version of this of the overall schedule didn't show that game, but let's just even say that's there. So that means only two games on sort of that 
true national scene. You know, the FS1 right. games or the CBS Sports Network, that's not nothing, but there's a thousand, you know what I mean? That, that's, that's, that sort of gets, there's a million games on the course of a day, the, the, those bigger ones. So no ESPN, that's a huge deal because we are already on FS1 all the time, which is not getting the same ratings. Um, so, Andrew, from that perspective, that, that's another reason why going this light is, is not good. And by the way, let's also, if not forget, Georgetown is not in the Big East Big Ten Challenge. When that happened, my my take was that Georgetown must have begged out because you had Georgetown and Villanova as the two teams out. That seems crazy that the Big East would have them both out. And to Bobby's point of Ewing saying he wanted a little bit lighter schedule, I thought, well, maybe Georgetown said they begged out, which I would have been like, okay. But that's another game that's not on their schedule. That would have just been a layup. Play any Big Ten team, even if it's not Maryland, fine. Who Anybody, you'd have been like, okay, it's something. They're not even doing that. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes to all of this. I mean, I'm trying to find a some sort of silver lining here. And the only one that, that I can even grasp is that, okay, maybe they go unbeaten in these 11 games and somehow enter conference play with a greater degree of confidence and chemistry that they might have otherwise if they would have dropped a couple of these games that we'd have preferred them schedule. Um, I I, I just I just don't know, I, and it's, it's very possible that might happen, and and you know maybe we'll be discussing this you know come uh, January and have a or you know mid December and have a different perspective. But well, for now, it, I just I just don't see how this helps the program in any way at all. It seems like the the big three headlines that Georgetown has generated since the season ended: number one, uh, the coaching change. Okay, number two we then pull out of this preseason tournament that we've been looking forward to for, you know, five years. And now number three, we release a non-con on the day that the biggie schedule is released where everyone's like looking forward to all these other schools are looking forward to, you know, who they're playing and, and what's up. The biggest headline that anyone's ever talking about is how awful Georgetown's non-conference schedule is because they specifically didn't release it. You know that you knew that they had these games scheduled for a while, right? It's not like this Jacksonville game just got scheduled. They were sitting on this and specifically released it on the day that the Big East schedule was to be released because they knew what this reaction was going to be. And maybe they thought that it was just going to be – that people were going to blow over it. The reaction has been just the opposite. And 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 frankly – and fr- yeah. Well, I, I, I thought I was it was a bit say, crazy. Frankly, frankly, I was just going to say, frankly, I'm glad – that people picked up on it because this should be the story um, because a school like Georgetown just shouldn't be scheduling this way. And, and Bobby, just hold on one sec. Just to, to, to Andrew's point, just so if people, if you haven't been paying attention, you don't just think we're three guys just howling at the moon. Uh, Matt Norlander, what is he with CBS? Uh, he said Hoy, on Twitter, Hoy is now officially in running for arranging the softest non-conference schedule of any team in major seven conference. Uh, our friend Rob Dowster he wrote an article, and his tweet was, Georgetown's non-conference schedule might be the worst I've ever seen. Jeff Goodman ripped on them. Uh, other people have as well. So, yeah, it isn't just the three people who are hypersensitive to what's going on at Georgetown. This is – And one point before, Bobby, I'll let you go, but um, you quoted the, the guy on Twitter earlier who said that Georgetown's schedule was like the second worst from a competitive standpoint, of, you know, in the Ken Palm era. 
the team that was number one was that Baylor team. That was coming off the season where, like, one of those guys was convicted of murder or something. And they were, right. they were like, on some crazy probation. Like, this is really bad. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think the fans understand. They say, oh, whatever, no big deal, first-year coach, get some wins. That's all fine and dandy. But this is a historically bad schedule. Yeah, and, I mean, from, you know, going back a second when you were talking about the announcement of it, and I thought Georgetown, once a couple of these games leaked out, and obviously the complaining was sort of minimal, but it just seemed like they took punches. You know, they when other schools kept releasing their schedule, Georgetown would sort of take its lumps, you know, in social media. Maybe they don't care. But I think they would have been better served, if this was a strategy, to announce the schedule on their own and maybe do it, uh, you know, sometime – Sometime during like some some sort of NFL, you know, they, Georgetown should have come out with a schedule when no like no one was watching, like like you know, like you know last Thursday night or something, right? You know, because I mean I wasn't on Twitter all day, but they, for me it was just crushing, you know, and I think deservedly. And also, I know that yeah. we've talked about it over and over again on this podcast before. I think actually, believe it or not, once they got rid of the PK eighty, their schedule is actually better than I thought because this Richmond game makes no sense to me. And someone tweeted at me saying that maybe this was a game they couldn't get out of the JT3 scheduled. It's hard to look at their schedule and think that they that they scheduled at Richmond. <laughs> but by, I, like, no, it's, I think it, I think it's I think the Richmond game is part of some home and home. Um, I, for, for, I think there's a return gig next year at the, the Cap One. Center. Right, but do you do you um, think that this group scheduled that game? It doesn't right. look like it. But I mean, no, are you, I well, you and I talked about this the other day. If they had scheduled this game under JT three, wouldn't we have heard about this a year ago? I don't think any, we didn't hear about this. Right. So I, so that's what made me think it would have happened now. Now, just to just to let's try to get, make this a little positive. Let's, let's uh, yeah, Andrew was looking for the silver lining. So okay, the the first game is November twelfth against Jacksonville. You know what? You're going to play some nobody team anyway. Fine. Hey, you know what? Yeah. It's going to be the Patrick Ewing game. It's going to be interesting. We'll see. The next game, November 15th against Mount St. Mary's. Uh, hey, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows I, I'm a believer in that program because of Jamie and Christian, who's been on this podcast multiple times. Uh, skip, we'll skip past Maryland Eastern Shore at Richmond. I, you know, I don't know what for Richmond, how good they'll be, but hey, yeah, right. It's an interesting game on the road. It's the only road game. They're an A10 team that's always interesting to play it's the reason why it does seem like it would have been a game jt3 scheduled is because it's another former princeton coach and chris mooney runs that princeton offense after that though it gets gets hard to get excited until you get to syracuse on december 16th and then there's two more games after that now let's go back to this let's go to patrick ewing's word where he says hopefully we're playing you know our best when we get to the ncaa tournament now it's it's really hard, obviously, to predict how a season will unfold in many different ways. But I would look, I tried to look this up on the on the fly. I bet I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried to look this up last year. I think Marquette they, they they made the NCAA tournament, but they were one of the I think that right, Bobby. They were one of the last teams in. They had a non conference strength of schedule of two seventeen, and their overall record is nineteen and twelve with a ten and eight in the Big East. Now, a non-conference schedule of 217 is pretty bad, and I think I remember you and I talking in the, in real time then about how Marquette might not get in because of, of that. Right, Bobby? I'm not, I'm, I'm not misremembering things, right? Yeah, and their their schedules have actually dramatically improved since Wojciechowski, um first got there. They, they've had schedules like 
the one that J, that JT three, the one that Patrick Ewing just uh, put out. Okay, so yeah, but I, I have news. If, if we go ten and eight in the Big East, we're getting in the tournament. Well, okay, well hold on. So 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 back it up here. But Marquette with a two seventeen non conference strength of schedule in that schedule included games against Vanderbilt, Michigan, Pittsburgh, Georgia, and Wisconsin. Now I know all those teams didn't make. The, the the tournaments, I think only two of them did, right? But nonetheless, the, because of the big the power conference schedule, if you know those we, are real teams, we wouldn't be having this type right. of podcast if they were playing that. Now, so so that's the non conference part. Yes. Now, in terms of why Marquette made the tournament, they went ten and eight. They beat Villanova, who was number one, which be, would be a stunner if Georgetown did that. I think they swept Creighton, so they had some good wins overall. And they play some tough teams. I'm just saying, if they have a 217 with five power conference schools, what is Georgetown's going to be? 342 or something with this schedule? So even if Georgetown sweeps all 11 games, including Syracuse, right? And let's just say they go 500 in the Big East. So that's a 9-9 and record. That would make them 20-9. 20, 20 wins. 20 wins, 20-9. I still... I have to win two games in New York. Right, they would still have to do a lot of work, and and at least that 500 record would probably have to include wins over Villanova or whoever the top two or three teams are in the conference. That would just be to get there. So you'd have to almost sweep all those games and do all that just to maybe have a hope. So that would be Patrick Ewing's. But 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 but, but maybe that's the challenge that Ewing wants to give his players. Right, you guys better get out of the gate hot and win all these games <laughs> if you don't your season's done which is fair I'm i mean not... I, I don't think that the schedule was put together regardless of what a quote is i don't think the schedule was put together with the idea of we're trying to make the ncaa tournament i just don't believe that at all i oh, mean i agree with you i'm simply taking the man at what he said he said this so okay fine if he believes that then what is the actual path and i would think i mean do, do let me put it to, again. Let's let's be the serious. The actual path is like twelve and six in the Big East. <laughs> well, I mean, if they if those eleven games, if they beat all the other ones, because by the way, it's not just that they have to win them all. You can't lose teams with an RPI or a Ken Palm rating of three hundred. That'll be it. Nope. So yep. do do we do we say if they go ten and one but lose to Syracuse, does that like is the Syracuse game? a must win because it's the only good game that they're likely going to have? Or is it, well, it almost doesn't matter because their their, their number is going to be so weighed down, it's ultimately going to come down to being at least decent in the Big East. What do you think? Uh, I mean, from my perspective, I almost think the Richmond the Richmond game is a must win because it's the only road game. Um, and, you know, those, those count for more. And, yes, I do think the Syracuse game is a must win because that's really their only – uh, showcase, audition, whatever you want to call it, you know, against the good teams, the non-conference schedule. If, if you're showing, if the committee's look, and this is you know, way too early to even talk about this, but if the committee's looking at Georgetown's body of work and we're a bubble team, let's say, with, with 20 wins, 19 wins, that Syracuse game is the only game against decent competition in the non-conference that is going to, if you lose that game, it's just not going to help us. Um, so I think the two must wins there, I think they really have to win all, all of them, frankly, because it's not like you can you can win Syracuse, win Richmond, and then afford to lose any of these other schools just because of how bad their their, their RPIs are. I mean, oh, you right. can't say – I mean, Yeah, they like, can't lose any to, of the other games. <laughs> You're right. They can't lose right. any of those other games. 
I mean, and obviously we're talking about a Georgetown team that the last few years, they've had those problems. I mean, the Arkansas State last year, right. the previous year, they lost, what, three games against teams that were, that we would have, well, Monmouth was pretty, obviously was turned out to be pretty good, but you know what I mean? They, they lost three games against teams that you traditionally would have said that was a disaster. So yeah, I think they have to win all those games, which by the way, from the perspective of, Again, if he's talking about the NCAA tournament, that seems to me like a lot of pressure to put on them. If you actually had right. got even just one of those games and made it against somebody else, then you don't literally have to go undefeated 11-0. and And by the way, here's another point. Patrick Ewing is a rookie coach, so we're going to say that the rookie coach is going to go 11-0? and Like, he has to do that, the rookie guy? Doesn't he need to learn how what to do? Which I, which I assume is ultimately, right, part of what this is, but... Again, if he's thinking NCAA tournament, that seems like a lot of pressure for him to have to be under to have to go perfect here, Bobby. And and, and do we think that uh, you know? Uh, sorry, Bobby, but the, um, yeah. you know, the the coach of North North Texas is the was the coach last year of Arkansas State that blew us out of McDonough. Oh, I, mean, I, didn't, um, I didn't realize that. Well, yeah. some people tweeted that. Um, sidebar is. Is North Texas a better job than Arkansas State? That seemed like a really weird move to me. <laughs> I, 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 where, um, where, where in the state of Texas is North Texas, and then I will that will answer my question. That will answer your question. Um, if we're if we're going to keep using if we're going to keep using Marquette as the baseline, um, not last year but two years ago, their non-conference strength of schedule was three twenty-six, and in that season they played Iowa, LSU. Arizona State and Wisconsin, and their RPI, their their, their non-conference strength of schedule was 326. I think it's hard to imagine Georgetown is going is going to be right around there. Now, obviously, the non-conference strength of schedules of the teams that are not very good is very high because they play a lot of the you know they play a lot of those those guarantee games, but they're going to have a non non-conference strength of schedule in the 330s. So, and in in, in that season, Marquette went 20 and 13. They went eight and 10 in the Big East. And they did not even play in the NIT, just to give you an idea of like what this kind of strength of schedule does to a team. By, by the way, yeah. North Texas is apparently in Denton, Texas, which was a suburb of Dallas, Fort Worth. So the answer to your question is North Texas is a better job. <laughs> um, so, so look, I mean, obviously, you know, the the bit, you know, every time we've had these conversations all summer, and I always appreciate when you guys want to talk about this. I mean, we talk about it off offline, so it's better to do it on here and, and vent like it's a, a therapy session. But ultimately, so much of what we're all talking about is a big unknown, and the big unknown is we don't know what a Patrick Ewing team is going to look like. We don't know. Maybe he's going to come out and crush it. And the, and the idea of playing these games, while it certainly won't help an RPI and it sort of makes them look bad, maybe it won't really matter if he really gets them going. If they play more up-tempo, maybe that in and of itself will, will make it a more appealing brand to watch, you know. By the way, Bobby and I have talked about this in terms of recruits, both the guys he's coming in now, but more, even more going forward. We don't even know what a Patrick Ewing team is going to look like. We could kind of almost predict what a JT three recruit was going to be, with few exceptions. I have no idea what a Ewing recruit will look like. So there's a there's a lot of mystery going on as to what this team will 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 look like. And you know, again, he's going to work with Govan and Derrickson. Maybe he can get more out of them than we saw the last couple of years. There's talent there, but. If nothing else, this story, this schedule is going to make the narrative for Georgetown, at least for the non-conference, about how crazy bad this schedule is. They're going to put up, every time Georgetown has a game on TV, they're going to put up the graphic 
about where their strength of schedule or RPI or Ken Palm rating is, whatever. They're going to make note that they're playing all these teams. It, instead of Ewing going to that PK tournament and everybody on for three days on ESPN saying, hey, it's great that Patrick Ewing's back in college. He's getting this chance. He's going to be the guy to turn this around. They put the blame, in essence, on the previous coach. Instead of that, regardless of anything else, the narrative is for Georgetown is now this schedule is crazy. Yes, Patrick Ewing's here, but come on, are you kidding me with this schedule? And that is, just from a PR aspect alone, it just seems like such a misstep to have done what they did, Andrew. That would be my basic take. And, and, that's, and I totally agree, and that, that's why, to, for me, it's kind of embarrassing. It just didn't have to be this way. You know, it could have been the opposite. You know, we're Georgetown. I'm Patrick Ewing. We're going to take all comers. You know, we're going to we're going to we're going to fight. We're going to we're not backing down from anyone. And if we don't win, that's that's fine. We're going to take our lumps, but we're going to get better in the process. I think that message is better than this one. And I just don't. I agree with you. This, this is a, it's a stigma now that's going to be traveling with us the entire season. And frankly, it's not going to it's not going to leave now until we produce a schedule that's going to be better um and i don't know if you i don't know if this schedule is john thompson's philosophy well we know it's his philosophy but i don't know how much input ewing had into this i don't necessarily have much confidence that it's going to be better next year i hope it is i mean how, how much longer are we really going to be looking at schedules like this are we waiting for a, a class of 2018 2019 i mean it, it's just it's just kind of scary from a fan's perspective that this is now the new normal from a non-conference standpoint. And it's really scary from a ticket standpoint. I mean, how, how, how do you sell these games? No, I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't I, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like I said earlier, like, I, I kept seeing all the national people writing about why they, why Georgetown did this because they're trying to protect you in year one. And I, I'm not convinced that that is the case. I, I like you just said. I'm concerned that this is the schedule. That this is in essence what they want to do. I mean, even if you swap out one game or whatever, I'm sure that maybe it'll be in a tournament next year or, whatever, or, or the year after. But you know, what tournaments are they going to be in? Are they going to be in one of these heavyweight tournaments, right. or are they going to be in something where you would you know be more apt to see a uh, a, a mid major kind of school? We'll see. Um, Bobby, do we dare discuss the actual Big E schedule at all and the nuances of that or does that not even matter well you know that used to be interesting in the old big east when the schedules were unbalanced and you're like oh who do we have twice and who do we only have once and we only go to their place you know you play one twice um you know it seems like they always get villanova at the end you know Mm -hmm. which i guess is good i don't know if tv always think that's going to be a good matchup or it's going to be interesting unfortunately georgia hasn't lived up to their part of the bargain in three of the four years of the new big East. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if we need to go through the nuances of that. I mean, there is no sort of the big East has tried a couple different things in the past. They've tried like the new year's Eve marathon, which is silly now that the college football is having their games. Then um, I think they've had a Martin Luther King marathon before, and I don't think they're doing, they're not doing that again this year. Well, so, you know, so, George, uh, no, go, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, you know, when you just when you just sort of look at it, um, you know, you had seven of the seven of the ten teams made the tournament last year, so you know, you you you're 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 one of those teams. So seven of the nine teams that you play twice went to the NCAA tournament. So when you look at their schedule, they have NCAA tournament games all over the place. Um, you know, they do have two three game home stands. Um, they don't have a three game road trip. 
if you want to look yeah, at it from the, that the angle. Two, three game home stand, the two three-game homestands are interesting, I thought, um, just in that, you know, it it might provide an opportunity to get some wins against some quality opponents. Um <sighs> Well, now, so so I don't have the I don't have the Georgetown like academic uh, calendar in front of me to know if any of those homestands include you know the some sort of break. It seems like Georgetown always plays two Big East games before the kids are even back in school, and they usually play the the last game of the season when the kids are on spring break. So it doesn't look like that this year. The last game is on we, February twenty sixth. I think we can toss that out the window. It's not as if. Um... <laughs> <laughs> these guys are going to be playing in front of big crowds at, at any point this season. I mean, you know, well, like, you know, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I mean, I get it. I what? get it. But you know, if we're going to talk about know. the nuances of the Big East schedule, that, that's all I got for you. Well, I, I want to come <laughs> that, back. That, to, is, that I, is a nuance. I want to come back to this thing in one second, but in terms of the schedule, so if, we're, if Patrick Ewing is right, or if that's his premise that we, 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 we rack up wins, we gain confidence, we enter the Big East. Okay. Four of the first six biggies games are on the road. The first one's at home against Butler. Then four of the next five after that are on the road. Uh, then comes that one, the, a three-game homestand starting with Villanova, then a three-game road trip, and then whatever. So another three-game homestand later. Uh, so right off the bat, four of the first six. So after Again, only one of the first 11 games on the road, four of the first six Big, game, big East games are on the road. So hopefully they have pe- – Paid off. Now, I will say, let's go back to this about the fans, about the students in particular. You know, right before JT3 got fired, there was this, there was this push on campus to have, what was it going to have a protest? Cause I think the oh, yeah. protests were becoming a big deal in the country because of the national election. So I think he carried over to this. So mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I'm going to put the challenge out there for these students. You wanted the coaching change. And I'm not arguing with you that it was warranted or not, but you wanted the coaching change. You, I, I'd like to see that you show up. The, you know, not not just for the the, the Big East games because those are easier too. There's ten Big East. Yeah, if you want to be happy with the schedule, there's only one road game. Ten of the first eleven are at home. Lots of opportunities. Show up. You wanted to change. Now show that you're behind it. And again, same thing with these Big East games. If in fact Georgetown struggles later in the year. Great. Providence, February 24th. I'll see you there. So, you know, if you're, yeah, I, you're I, I, I agree with, I, I agree with your premise. I, I, I think though that the school has just made it so hard for the fans to embrace the, the team. I, it's just, I don't know, man. Like Ewing was, was, was a step in the right direction, I guess. I mean, it, it, it seems like, Maybe more. Maybe what the fans really wanted was not so much a coaching change, but a, but a regime change, you know. And so yeah, now there's, a, think, there's yeah. a new there, there there's a new coach. Okay, that that's a different figurehead there, but it's still the same. And I I just don't think I, I could be wrong. I, I just don't think the fan base is is going to suddenly show up and, and kind of do a 180. Uh, just because of Ewing's presence, you know, no one wants him to fail. Everyone really wants him to succeed. I mean, if, no, no one wants him more than me, and then everyone else who reads the site or, or follows Georgetown basketball, we want Georgetown back on the map. I just think it's these these kinds of things, pulling out of PT80, this kind of schedule, pretty much everything that they've done in the off season since the coaching change, um, the picket, commitment, you off the map. some of the other guys. It just it just makes it 
they're making it difficult for us, and it didn't have to be this way. Um, all right, so I'm looking at the clock. We're you know getting to a point where I should probably start wrapping this up. You know, normally it would be like uh, in a normal year, I'd be like, all right, so what do you think about Georgetown? What what do we think their record might be? And that that response would be based on, well, they have these players back, and we have a sense of this or that. This is definitely a this is a, this is a whole other level of of thing. They actually could have a good record or a decent record, and it still not mean all that much. So we're talking about they need to go eleven and zero. Will they go eleven and zero? I'll open the floor. They've got eleven road game, eleven non conference games, and eighteen Big East games. That's twenty nine games. We can skip anything else that goes beyond that. For those twenty nine games, Bobby, Andrew, whichever one you want to go first, Georgetown's record will be what? Um, I think they will be, I got them winning four Big East games. Let's say they go 10 and one. So I, I, I have them at 14 and 15 or 15 and 14 heading into New York. I think that the schedule was designed to try and get them to be about 500. And I think that's what they've done. I'm similar. I have them. Going, let's say nine and two in non-conference, but I think they'll win six conference games. I, I do think they'll get better as the season goes along. Then again, I don't think this team is that bad to begin with, so I, I do think this team can win at least 15 games. I really wouldn't be surprised if that number is closer to 17 or 18, um, because again, I, I do think this team is talent, despite the message that uh, you know <laughs> everything that's been put out there is, is sending, but. Um, 15 and 14, 16 and 13, that, that, that kind of thing. So I would, I would add on to my prediction because I don't think I spoke long enough in that I think that schedule that's designed to help them, at least that's what we're hearing, I think will actually hurt them. The fact that they won't go away from home, the fact that they play no neutral site games, which if the end game is to do well at tournaments in the end, whether it's the Big East or the NCAAs, you've played nothing neutral. I think that this team is not as bad as the schedule you know, sort of shows that this is how we're scheduling because we think our team is not that great. I think it's better than what the schedule is, but I think the schedule hurts them in that it provides only false, false signs of, um, you know, just false signs of life. And I think that the biggie schedule will really be hard as, you know, I think everyone does. But I think the schedule will hinder the growth that this new team, new philosophy is going to have, but which is why I think they're going to win about four or five games. To that point, though, let's say the team goes nine and two in non-conference, right? Maybe maybe they 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 lose at Richmond, and maybe they lose Syracuse. Sure, it's not like they're gonna open the season at home against Butler and get drilled by twenty-five points. I mean, I, like I think that I think this team. Butler also has a new coach too. No, that that might be one of the games that, that they win. Right. Well, I mean, but that's the point. Like, like other than maybe Villanova, maybe at Xavier. I mean, I'm trying to think of games that that they really aren't going to but so you well, can just run them off right now i mean well, I, I think at they, Seton they, Hall. Can, they can play with any of these wait hold guys. on hold on hold on is georgetown better right I mean, again patrick ewing is a big mystery we don't know is georgetown better this year or they, if georgetown's team last year played georgetown teams this year with the coaches and everything which team is favored i'm gonna bet it's the last year's team and probably by a decent last amount team. right so so i'm just saying last year's team was bad in the big east so why i mean and they beat mm. they beat oregon in non-conference. So, uh, you know, 
I don't know. You're right. Butler has a new coach, and not and the Big East doesn't look to be as good as it was a year ago. And I agree with you guys. I don't think Georgetown's roster is nearly as bad as this schedule makes it out to be. But I don't know why I would think that they're going to be necessarily better in the Big East. Again, knowing you is a mystery. Uh, that 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 would be my caveat to all this. Who knows? Maybe they do get drilled by Butler. I don't yeah, know. it's interesting. I mean, there's it, interesting. I, I think that last year's team would probably open as something like a seven and a half or eight and a half point favorite against this year's team. Yeah, I mean, even beyond the coaching, we had Rodney Pryor and LJ Peak, <laughs> and we don't know on this team. How quick does LJ Peak get two fouls? <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. Uh, since I put you guys to it, let me just do it as well. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to say somehow they five or six wins in the Big East. I mean, you know, the DePaul's, the St. John. Well, actually, St. John's may not be too bad this year. You know, somehow I'll say five wins. But look, in the in the in the non-conference part, they're going to lose one of those bad games. I don't know which of those. Wait, teams, like like you mean other than Richmond? They're going to lose. Uh, they may lose to Mount St. Mary's. I don't know which of those teams. Like none of us have looked. I assume. Did any of those teams bring back four starters? Does any of those teams have some, you know, five ten guard who might be an all conference player in this thing? They're going to lose one of those games, is my prediction. So I'm going like. Well, you got to be worried about Texas right off the bat. Their coach like came in and just smacked Georgetown around for most of that game. Right, right. So you know, even if they split, he's coming to win. Even right, even if they split Syracuse and Richmond, which I'm not not certain they will. That's at best nine. So, you know, for me, I've got it like at 14 or 15, which I think was kind of what one of you or maybe both of you kind of said. So, well, you know, we're all really going out on a limb. Well, but I mean, the, if you went, you could have gone 14 and you could have had 14 or 15 wins and not have this embarrassment that we're all talking about that the entire country talked about today. You could have had the exact same situation. Just switch it around right. and play, you know, I mean, Whatever you know, pick play one play more else. play more Mount St. Mary's and less Alabama A and M. Right, right, yeah, right, exactly. But Mount St. Mary's a two hundred or so team. Yeah, play three more right. of those, and it's not nearly as crazy as this. But I mean, they literally went to the bottom of the list and said, "We'll have more." Yes, that. Keep that's how, I mean, that's yeah. really what it looks like. If you go to the bottom of Ken Palm or the bottom of the RPI, it, it, in each of those metrics, they play like the worst couple of teams. It looks like they just went there, started calling people. Yeah. Um, it's like they, they took the last, you know, the worst 10 dozen teams, whatever, and had some intern in the athletics department call those schools and say, hey, are you guys available on X date? By, by the way, I, I it was being asked on Twitter today. I don't think this is that crazy, but I, somebody did say to me today, it's pretty much a lock that Georgetown paid all the schools that will be coming there except for Syracuse to, to play yeah. this year. So on top of everything else, they're actually, you know, paying these teams to come there, which is a common practice, but that's what they did as opposed to, you know, uh, by the way, one other thing, and then we should probably wrap this up. When you have 10 home games, that means you're not playing in front of kids that if you went to a Madison Square Garden game, you're not playing in front of kids over there, or you're not going to uh st louis to play i'm making up missouri you're not playing against kids there or you're not in florida you're limiting you're also limiting yourself to be face to face with these people just because you're playing there that is something else that is a factor here you know recruiting it takes it takes many forms it's not the end all that that itself isn't everything but that's part of the reason why duke every year basically plays in in new york city they want that game 
for the presence of it. That, that's why these teams play in different parts of the country and different in, in, in every other in every well, year, just to get more exposure in different places. On that point, I you know I mean you know Durham isn't a great hotbed of basketball town. I mean for that point, if they actually could just recruit this area well, it wouldn't be that terrible. You know I mean I think that we all agree if they recruited better in this area. It wouldn't matter what they did from other parts. But Georgetown is ultimately right? not – I mean, sure, but I mean, ultimately Georgetown's more of a national school than it is a local school just based on what it is. Like, you're not going to get – No, I know, but for, like, the whole basketball point, if they literally just locked down the DMV, like we've all heard everyone wants them to, even though they didn't hire, like, a young DMV recruiter, that's another issue. Um, if they were only to work this area, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Well, right, but, but they're, yeah, they're, they're going to have, they're gonna have you know, 17, 17 home games regardless. I mean, it's not like, you know – you know, I'm just saying, it's not like they're, you know, half the Big E schedule is at home. And so, I mean, they're, they're home plenty. Oh, by the way, I guess somebody noted that the Coppin State game must be the BB&T game with GW playing Temple. So there's that. Oh, my God. Who cares? The only thing that, 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 the only thing that could, like, help this is if they put out a press release and said, the Eastern High School Band will be doing all the games this year. And I'm not trying to, like, upset anyone in the Georgetown Band, but the Eastern High School Band is just a real – Underrated local um, treasure. We've, uh, as an aside, like that, we paid ninety-five thousand to Arkansas State last year. Good time. Okay, ninety-five. By the way, by the way, if you're gonna play the three, well, hey, you know what though? At least for that game, they didn't rent out the Verizon Center. Well, I was gonna say, if you're gonna play all these three hundred teams, this is the McDonough game. Isn't this the what you take one of these games and put it in McDonough? You have an you have an extra one, games. One, they should put ten of these games in McDonough, <laughs> including the Syracuse game. Well, then there's that. But I mean, isn't isn't the agreement with the with the with the former Verizon Center that they pretty much have to play all their games there? It's, I mean, it's pretty much the deal. Well, then why? I mean, I, otherwise, why? Otherwise, why wouldn't you? I mean, every you know every couple of years they play a McDonough game. It's not it's not every season. Sure, I'm just saying there's a charm to it. So for whatever the reason, it, this is the year to do it when you have these types of games. But whatever. All right. Uh, I think I mean, if, if you're gonna, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose in a charming atmosphere. <laughs> uh, oh well. All right. I think we've said plenty here on this one. Andrew uh, Geiger with uh, Casual Hoya. Follow him on Twitter at Casual Hoya. Bobby Bancroft, the uh, Nats insider for the Associated Press. Uh, follow him at. Uh, Stop. <laughs> follow him at Bobby Bancroft. Uh, Bobby, I'm now doing two Nats Dodgers games this weekend. Don't ask me how that happened. Um, see you Friday. Yeah, I will see you Friday. All right, thank you, boys. Uh, and again, if you want to see the full schedule, go go to casualhoy.com. He's got a lot all up there, along with all the things that everybody else is saying. Somebody, Andrew, you need to have one of your minions figure out based on the reviews, the negative reviews, what this would mean for a Rotten Tomato score. Like what movie comparison? Would Georgetown be based on the on the reviews? Blair Witch Two. You ever see that one? I did not. Blair Witch One was good. I like that one, but no, I did not see Two. Yeah, look it up. Probably like one of the more two on Probably like one of the more recent Nick Cage movies. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably a a fair statement. All right, and by the way, also for those of you who, uh, or of course, we'll be back with more Wizards. In fact, I'll have a new Wizards podcast up tomorrow. So, uh, meaning uh, Thursday, so check that out. Tough loss for the Mystics in their series. They got more to come. Best of three, best of five. They're down 1-0 to Minnesota. All right, signing off. Wait, are you you serious? serious? (laughs) Yeah, man, the Mystics, come on. (laughs)
Uh, oh, okay. Come on, man. Elena Deladon. Don't uh, I, re- I, didn't, I didn't realize it was, a, it was a tough loss. Yeah, my bad. Although they got smoked, but, you know. They got crushed. It was expected, but nonetheless, you know, we mentioned these things. All right. Okay. Enough of those enough nonsense. Until next time, see ya. <laughs> Bye. Everybody gets Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive. Long shot. Dagger!